Let me just share with you a few thoughts. The title of my message this morning is Surrounded by Uncertainty. In John chapter 14, verse 1, Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, I'm going to be leaving you soon, but do not let your heart be troubled. Trust in God. You already trust in God. I want you to trust in me. And then he goes on to say this. For you know the way to the place that I'm going. Very interesting choice of words. He shows up and he says, I'm leaving. Don't be troubled. You know the way to the place that I'm going. Now, when he said that to the disciples, all of the disciples just sat there and nodded their head. Except for two. Two of them voiced some major concerns. The first one was Thomas. He, he piped up and he said this. He says, we don't know where you're going. This is in verse five, John chapter 14, verse five. He says, we don't know where you're going and we don't know how to get to where you're going. We do not know the way there. It's almost like Thomas looked around the room and said, are you guys just going to act like what he just said is okay? Are you going to act like what Jesus just did is okay? Because it's not okay with me. He was full of uncertainty. All the other disciples were equally as full of uncertainty. They had no idea what Jesus was talking about. They had no idea how to get to the place that Jesus was planning on going. But yet, all of the disciples, with the exception of Thomas, were acting like it. Sometimes we can be surrounded with uncertainty, but we're acting like we're calm. We're acting like everything is okay. And so all of a sudden, Thomas says, I'm not okay with what's going on. We do not know what you're talking about. And so Jesus backs up and he says this. This is in John chapter 14, verse 6. He smiles with compassion and love. He looks back at Thomas and he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. In other words, he was saying, look, I know that you are in a season of uncertainty. I know you don't know how to get where I'm going. But if you keep your eyes locked on me, if you continue to pursue me, though you don't know all the answers to all the questions that you have, though you're surrounded with uncertainty, if you keep your eyes on me, if you continue to pursue me, everything will begin to become clear for you. Where we keep our eyes and where we keep our, few, our, our, our focus determines our trajectory. Our focus determines our trajectory. Let me just share this as an illustration. Uh, 16 years ago in August, August the 29th, at 4 o'clock in the morning, 
I had to rush my wife to the hospital. At four o'clock in the morning, we jumped into our car and we sped down the road. It was a, a green Camry. I'll never forget it. I think it was like a 1984 Camry. But I was flying down the road about 100 miles per hour. I was rushing to the hospital. Why were we rushing to the hospital? Because my wife was about to have a baby. And as I was driving, I was thinking to myself, dear God, do not let her have this baby in this car. Do not let her have this baby in this car. I don't know what I'm going to do. So I kept looking at her as I had my foot on the pedal going a hundred miles an hour to the hospital. We get to the hospital. I'm in a panic. Allie's actually pretty calm. She's looking at me like, Hey, Frankie, it's going to be okay. I'm like, it's not going to be okay. She's calming me down. We finally get her into her hospital room. They got blankets on her. Nurses are coming around. I'm frantic. Ten hours later, she has a baby. But while I was sitting there for ten hours, I think I chewed every nail off of my fingers. I was so nervous because at that time we didn't have any children. So this was going to be our first one. I was so scared because I don't know. Nobody taught me how to be a dad. Like I have a great dad, but being a dad isn't something that you can just read in a book or watch somebody do it and say, all right, I got it. So I'm sitting there in the hospital afraid There's no other word for it. Afraid. Scared out of my mind. Because I'm about to have a daughter. Now, I am a little bit uncertain in talking to my wife sometimes. Sometimes me and my wife don't always communicate the way we need to communicate. And so I'm like, man, if I have trouble communicating to my wife, an adult woman... What am I going to do with a little tiny woman? I'm scared to death. Finally, she has the baby. I don't know how to be a dad. I don't know how to hold babies. The doctor looks at me and says, do you want to hold her? And I said, yes, I'm ready. Put it in my hands. And so I took the baby. And the minute I took the baby and looked at her face, In a moment, I knew how to be a dad. All I had to do was look at her face. For nine months, I was frantic in the hospital room. I was losing my mind. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? The moment I looked at her face, I knew how to be a dad. Let me just tell you, I didn't know about uh, what we're going to, I didn't, I didn't figure out the diapers yet. I didn't figure out how we were going to talk about boys. She's almost 16 now. I, I didn't have all the answers to my question at that moment, but when I looked at her, peace 
I knew I was full of peace and I knew everything was going to be okay. And every step of the way, even though I couldn't see into the future and plan every step, when the moment came, I knew what to do. When you keep your eyes on Jesus, when you pursue him, when the moment comes, you'll know what to do. You can't look into tomorrow. You can't look into next week. You can't look into next month when you're surrounded by uncertainty. But when you're seeking his face, when you're praying, when the moment comes, you'll know what to do. Let me just share with you that direction is discovered in prayer. Direction is my mic is all over the place. I think my mic almost went into my throat just now. So just hold on. We could cut this out and redo it, but that wouldn't be being real, would it? So direction is discovered in prayer. The trajectory of our life is established when we pray. So when Thomas looked at Jesus and said, I don't know what you're talking about. Jesus looked back at him and said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. In other words, just pursue me and everything else will be figured out. Then the second person in the room that raised his voice, his name was Philip. He said, okay, Jesus, and this is in verse 7, John chapter 14, verse 7. He said, Jesus, if you just show us the Father, we will be satisfied. In other words, you're asking us to trust you. We are struggling for answers. Our whole life is getting flipped upside down. If you just pull back the curtain." And let us see from the visible into the invisible. Let us look at God. Jesus, if you let us look at God, that will be the proof that everything is going to be okay. Our faith will go up if you just give us a sign. And Jesus looked back at him in verse number 9. And he basically says this. He goes, have I been with you? For so long, yet you have not known me, Philip. In other words, Philip, you have been with me for three years. You have been walking with me for three years. Think back on all of the moments. And there were so many moments. In fact, in the last verse in the book of John, John chapter 21, verse 25, it says, And Jesus did many more things than these. Surely, if we, have ri- if we would have written them all down, the whole world could not contain the books that would be written. So he did so many things. And Jesus looks. He looks at Philip and he says, Philip, you were there. You were there. Think back at all the times that we faced impossible situations together. Think back on all those times and remember how I came through for you. Remember how I came through for your friends. In fact, I came through for the multitudes. In fact, Philip, 
It's interesting because Philip was the one when Jesus went to Nazareth, a whole bunch of people started saying, hey, nothing can come out of Nazareth that's any good. And it was Philip that said, oh yeah, why don't you come over here and watch him teach? Why don't you come over here and see the miracles? And now Philip's faith is struggling. Jesus is looking back at Philip and he's saying, hey, I've been with you all these years. I want you to look back and see at all the times. I want you to remember all the times where we faced impossible situations together and we came through them together. I want to just take a brief time out in the story, a brief time out as we unpack the chapter of John chapter 14 and just look at you through the camera and just say, hey, when your faith is struggling, when you're in a season of uncertainty, yes, we want you. The scriptures want you. Jesus wants you to pursue him but also remember all of the seasons where you fa- that you have already faced and Jesus proved himself to be faithful. Some of you can remember stories when you were just a little girl. You were just a little girl. And you can look back and you can remember Jesus was there for me and I wasn't even old enough to understand what was happening. Some of you were in high school and you look back and you can realize that Jesus was taking care of you even though you weren't even paying attention to him. You can look back over your adult life and he took care of you through seasons that you thought you were going to lose everything. You thought everything you had was going to be lost. You thought that you were going into a season and you were not going to be able to make it. You thought that that was the end of a good life. And now you look back and it was just another season that the Lord walked you through. Some of you, he's walked you through divorces. Some of you, he walked you through bankruptcy. Some of you, he walked you through seasons when you didn't have a job. Some of you, he walked through seasons while you were looking around, looking for somebody that would support you. And nobody else was there, but he was there. And what Jesus was telling Philip, what he was telling him was this. Philip, I want you to look back at all of those times. Look back at your own testimony and let your own testimony build your faith. Let me just share with you, there's a lot of different ways to build your own faith, to build your faith in God. There's a lot of different ways. But one of them is just looking back at all of the moments that Jesus came through for you. Reminding yourself that when no one else was there, he was there. Let your own testimony build your faith. There's a very interesting scripture in Philippians chapter 4 verse 6. It says this, pray about everything. Don't worry about anything and thank him for everything he has done. Isn't that interesting? 
He's saying, while you're praying, I want you, while you're making uh, a request and, and while you're praying to me, I want you to stop every now and again and just praise me. Just thank me. Now, why would that scripture be in the Bible? See, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, it says that all scripture is inspired by God. Why would God want that scripture in the Bible? Why would he want to emphasize, hey, when you worry, I want you to pray. But while you're praying, I want you to pause and thank me for everything that I've done. Why would he want you and I to do that? Is it because he just wants to hear how awesome he is? I don't think so. What he knows and what you and I are discovering is when we thank him for everything that he's done, when we are praising him, our faith is getting stronger. When we back up and we say, God, thank you that I've always had a roof to sleep under. I thank you that I've never gone a day in my life without eating. I thank you that I've always had enough water. I thank you that I've never had to pay attention to my heart and it just beats all by itself. I thank you that I've never had to concentrate on my lungs, that you set them into motion while I was in my mother's womb and I haven't had to pay attention to it since. I thank you for this healthy body. I thank you that over the course of my life, you made sure that that all of my needs were being met. I thank you. And as you say these thank yous, and as you praise him, as you thank him, as you praise him, your faith in him begins to grow. Your confidence in, in him, in his name, begins to grow. And so he looked at Philip and he said this, I want you to remember all of the things that we've been through together. I want you to praise me. Friends, we have to remember that our praise will get us through the seasons of doubt. Sometimes we got to praise our way through discouragement. Sometimes we got to praise our way through uncertainty. During the most uncertain seasons of our life, those need to be the times when we worship the most, when we pray the most, when we seek him the most. And so as a quick summary, Thomas, when Thomas expressed his worry, when Thomas expressed his concern, his advice to Thomas was pursue me. Whenever Philip expressed his concern, his advice to Philip was, I want you to praise me. And then he backed up and he looked at all of the disciples. After he talked to Thomas, after he talked to Philip, then he talked to all of the disciples. And he said this in verse 26, John chapter 14, verse 26. He said this, he said, the comforter, the Holy Spirit, whom the father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. He'll teach you what you need to know. 
Now, it's, it's moments like these that need to give us confidence because what he was saying is, hey, you're going to go into uncertain seasons. You're going to feel uncertainty. What I want you to do is I want you to lean on the Holy Spirit. I want you to depend on the Holy Spirit. I want you to, to just know that everything is okay. I went to a hotel one time and I, I checked into the hotel in the middle of the afternoon. And then I went out. I, I didn't go to sleep. I just checked into the hotel in the afternoon. And then I went out into the city and then I returned later on that evening. When I returned that evening, I noticed that the maid service had taken the comforter off of the bed folded it up and put it real nice and neat in the corner. What the maid service was doing was preparing the bed for me to sleep in. When I walked in, I started laughing. I started laughing because I thought to myself, that comforter was only there for looks. It's not, it's not something that you actually use. It's just there for looks. It's, and, and then I crawled into my bed, I pulled up and I had a great night's sleep and I woke back up and I ignored the comforter the entire time. It was like I didn't even need it. And then later on, the maid service came back in, put the comforter back on to make the room look nice and pretty again. I never forgot that moment, that experience at that hotel because that comforter was only there for decoration. It was only there to look at to appreciate, but then to be ignored. Let me just encourage every single one of you. When the Lord says that the comforter is coming to teach you all things and to bring everything that Jesus has said to your remembrance, let's not look and say, thank you for the comforter. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. I appreciate it. And then live our life ignoring him because he's there for us to lean on. He's there for us to depend on. And that Holy Spirit is one of the Holy Spirit is one of the greatest gifts that we have ever received. If you're listening to me right now and you have given your life to the Lord, you have said, Lord, I want you to be my Lord and Savior. If you have said, I'm surrendering my life, I am here on this earth to live for you, to worship you, and to serve you. According to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, the Holy Spirit is inside of you. Your body is a temple for the Holy Spirit, which is a gift from God to you. The Holy Spirit is in you. Now, you may be listening to me and you may be saying, uh, Frankie, I don't think you're talking to me. I was just flipping through the channels and it landed on this show and I haven't seen a bald-headed preacher sweat in a long time, so I decided to, to watch. I don't have a relationship with Jesus, therefore I don't have the Holy Spirit. Let me just tell you, the good news is, is that Jesus doesn't have a bar of expectation for you that you have to 
reach this certain level of perfection before you're allowed to have a relationship with him. The only thing that you have to do is come before him with humility and say, hey, I surrender. Jesus, I surrender my life. I don't want to live for me anymore. I want to live for you. And at that moment, the Holy Spirit begins to step inside your life and becomes your compass. Let me kind of review what we've said so far. First, he said to Thomas, I want you to pursue me. And then he looked at Philip and he said this, I want you to praise me. And then he looked at all of the disciples and he said, I want you to depend on the Holy Spirit. Let's never forget that. Let's let that be our takeaways of let's pray, let's pursue, and let's depend on the Holy Spirit. About 16 years ago, uh, I had a desire to learn how to ride a motorcycle. I see people riding on the roads and they just look cool, right? They just, they got the leather jackets, they got the helmet, they just look cool. And and I looked at it and I was like, I want to look cool. I want to have a motorcycle. I want to look cool. And so I think I was about 27 at the time. And uh, I, I, I saw somebody in our church who rode motorcycles. And so I went up to him and I said, hey, I want to learn to ride. Do you think one Saturday we can get together and you can teach me to ride? And he said, yeah, sure, no problem. He had two motorcycles. He had one for himself and he had one for me to learn on. The experience was fun. I enjoyed it. And then he said this, hey, Frankie, why don't you just take my motorcycle for a little while, ride it for a few weeks before you buy your own? I said, great. sounds like an awesome plan. I'll never forget. It was a maroon Yamaha Virago. When I came riding up, my wife said, no bring it back. I said, come on, come on, come on. So I did the dishes like every single night for like nine weeks. And she let me, I'm just kidding. So I got the bike. And so here I am riding around the city of Houston. I didn't have a motorcycle license. I had no experience. I was going into school parking lots, learning how to steer, how to roll and and how to, you know, I want to look cool while I'm doing this. Then one day I decided, you know what? I'm ready for I-10. I'm ready for the highway. I'm ready to go. I get on Interstate 10. Yeah, yeah, I pop it. Boom. I'm going down Interstate 10. I got my maroon Virago and I'm just going down the highway. Cars, vroom, 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 scaring me to death. I was so scared. You think I was scared whenever I had my first child? No, no, no. This was flipping me out. I was praying so loud. I was asking God to forgive me of things that I haven't even done. I I just, I was like, dear God, help me. So I'm riding this Yamaha Virago. I look in the mirror and this semi truck is coming up next to me. I'm scared. And so the only thing I can think is, oh my goodness, I'm just going to let him pass me by. So as he came up, I pulled off the throttle so that the truck would just hurry up and pass by. The semi-truck tire was right next to my head. If I would have just put my finger right here, I would have touched the tire. And so this tire's wrong. I just want the semi-truck. Just go. Just go. Just go. And so I pulled off the gas. 
and something happened. I can't explain it. Those of you who are motorcycle drivers out there, you know what happened. I don't really understand it even to this day. But as I pulled off the gas, the, 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 the tire, the truck began to pull me into itself. I started getting sucked like a vacuum. I started getting sucked into the semi truck. Now I've only been driving a motorcycle for a couple weeks. I thought, oh my goodness, I don't know what to do right now. Nobody told me what to do when you start getting sucked into a semi truck. And so I'm pulling off and I'm like, pass me, pass me. But the slower I got, the more I let off, the quicker I started getting sucked into this vacuum and I'm about to die. I'm like, Jesus, help me. So I realized real quickly that the more I slowed down, the more dangerous it got. And so I realized I better start accelerating again. As I accelerated, I went to 45, 55 miles an hour, 65, 75. At the faster I got, the more sturdy my bike became and the truck could no longer pull me into itself because I had my own momentum going forward. My point is this, whenever you're surrounded with uncertainty, that's not the time to let off on the throttle. That's not the time to stop praying. That's not the time to stop worshiping. It's not the time to stop leaning towards the Holy Spirit. It's actually the exact opposite. When you're surrounded with uncertainty, you pray a little bit more. You praise a little bit more. You lean towards the Holy Spirit a little bit more. You say, Frankie, I don't even know how to lean into the Holy Spirit. You're talking over my head. Let me help you. Let me help you. The Holy Spirit is the presence of God. It's the presence of God. In fact, if you look at the original translation, Holy Spirit is pronounced Ruach. Ruach means the breath of God. It's almost like God looked at the earth and says, I have a present for you. And he went, and he breathed his breath, the Holy Spirit into the earth. He breathed into us. And when you want to connect to the Holy Spirit, when you want to lean into the Holy Spirit, what you do is you just take a minute to become aware that he's there. When you become aware that he's there, when you become aware that he's on the inside of you to the best of your ability, that's when the relationship begins to build momentum. Let me remind you one more time. Pursue Jesus. Praise Jesus. Depend on the Holy Spirit. I hope that encourages you today. Let me pray for you. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May his face shine down upon you. May his countenance be lifted up on you and bring you peace. Be blessed in the name of Jesus.